0: On today's show, we're going to dive into part three of our summer sales series, Service Technician Priorities. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Welcome to the audio version of Cracking the Code. Now, this was originally a video show, so if you hear us talking about something related to an image or any other visual element, you can see what we're talking about by going over to egiorg slash show and see what we're doing there and Cracking the Code. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this summer sales series. We've been talking about pricing and CSR skills. Today we're going to talk about the importance during the summertime of driving your service agreement base and also making sure that your people are really good at the repair versus replace conversation. You know, we go into a house, we have an opportunity to fix a furnace or to fix an air conditioner, I guess an air conditioner in the summertime, but we want to turn that to a lead whenever it's appropriate for the homeowner, right? We never want to do it when it's not appropriate, but if it's an older piece of equipment and there's a significant you know, repair, we want to at least give the homeowner that option. So let's join Gary Ellis as he discusses delivering the WOW experience for service technicians. Right, so one
1: of my favorite things here is, when we talk about the wow experience, is what is the customer's expectation? So it's kind of a good news, bad news situation from the standpoint of our industry. Not a lot of people are expecting us to actually be very good at our work. The truth of the matter is, is that people think the trades are really pretty lousy at what we do. If you think of the whole idea of the plumber and the butt crack industry, and you think of the HVAC guy, he's going to damage my property. In fact, years ago, there was a study done And the number one thing that people said about contractors is they were going to be late and they were going to waste my time during the day. Keep that in mind because that's one of the key factors in delivering a wow experience is expediency. The second thing that that survey said is you're probably going to damage my property, which is why we don't park on the driveway. Because as soon as you pull into the driveway, the first thing that runs through my mind is that machine that you're driving is probably a little bit older. It probably has been maintained. You're probably going to drip transmission fluid or oil on my beautiful new driveway. And whether that's true or false, it's irrelevant because my emotional state as a consumer has now been impacted by a behavior pattern, which could have been avoided as in don't Park on the driveway. So what we want to be able to do is we want to ask ourselves the question, well, if the consumer sees us as low, which they do as trades, as a general rule. This is a general experience rule, not you know universal. So clearly, most of the companies probably watching this video are very serious about their customer service, so you probably wouldn't be a member of Contractor University, and you probably wouldn't be training your organization watching this particular video. That being said, what you need to do is you need to say, well, how do I create a level of expectation for the consumer Uh, that's there, and I exceed that, so it feels high. So if my expectation as a consumer, when I go into Starbucks and I buy a cup of coffee, now I'm paying extra money for a Starbucks cup of coffee, and they always ask me, what name should I put on that cup of coffee? And I always say, yeah, you can put the G-man on there, and uh, because there's other people with the name Gary. So I always say G-man, because sometimes they mix things up. So whenever I get done and I'm standing in line over here waiting for my cup of coffee, I wait for them to call my name. And so they don't. And when they don't, I'm disappointed. And that may seem trivial uh, to many of you, but the question is, well, why did you ask me for my name and there was a business process attached to that, which the Starbucks people have figured out, the most important uh, word in the English language to most people emotionally is their name. So when they say, you know, triple grande non fat no whip mocha for G Man. I'm excited about that. I get all fired up about that. I'm like, I just spent $5.50 for a cup of coffee and I actually feel good about the fact that I did that. Now, if you're my father and you're going, why are you spending $5.50 for a cup of coffee? You know, this is a good Depression era guy, grew up in the old school. He makes his own coffee. He's still got his Navy coffee, you know, little container that he has, the thing from like 1942. And that's how he makes his coffee. And he's like, I understand why you would go pay $5.50 for a cup of coffee. And the answer is because the coffee tastes better. I like their coffee. I like the strong brew. I like the fact that their espresso shots are heavy, and it meets and exceeds my expectations. So I'm willing to pay more money for that cup of coffee. Now, that's very important psychologically. So the expectation that the coffee meets the deliverable Starbucks is wonderful at that because they've got a barista, they've got a technology, they've got a machine, they buy their cup of coffee, they produce that expectation. Yet, they miss the expectation oftentimes, even this morning when I wrote G-Man on the cup of coffee or they wrote G-Man on the cup of coffee and I was waiting for them to say G-Man and they don't say G-Man and so I'm a little disappointed by that. So the $5.50 doesn't feel as good to me because they've got an operational process that I know and expect and they haven't met the basic expectation. So the lessons are crystal clear. Okay, Whatever expectation we have set for a homeowner, we will be there between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You have just set an expectation from my wife or myself about what your time frame is. I now expect you to be there between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And when we don't hit that expectation, we are causing a problem with our wow, exceptional customer experience. It doesn't mean that it's defeated the whole process of the brand, but it does mean that you now have to work harder to overcome what is now a failed or a missed expectation. This is all about setting up expectations and then you need to write down as a business, as a technician, you've got to understand what your company's brand experience is. That needs to be in writing and you need to be able to make sure that you meet or exceed that each time. If you meet it, it's me too. If you exceed it, it's what we call the mint, on the pillow. When I get the mint on the pillow, I feel good about that. It costs about $0.05 for that mint, but you know it makes me feel good, and that's where we get right here. We exceed that expectation. We feel as a customer, the client, as if they've done well. A mint that costs $0.05 makes me feel special. I'm paying $150 to $200 a night for a hotel. That's a lot of money for a hotel. It's a me-too process, because there's lots of hotels that can produce a hotel room, but there's only a few of them that actually give me the mint on the pillow, or there's a nice handwritten note from you know the people that are doing the service inside of the linens. And they say, this is my room as much as it is your room. Please let me know if there's anything I can do to make your stay better than your standard stay. And you, know, you read that note, and you go, you know what? That's cool. They care. They care about me. And so if I call down and say, I need some extra towels or whatever, uh, then hopefully they deliver on that.
0: You know, as Gary said that we got to make sure we got to deliver overwhelming service, right? A huge value proposition to make sure that our people, our company, stands out from the competition. In this next video, Gary is going to talk about the importance of selling service agreements. And then we're going to move right into making sure that we have the repair versus replace conversation. All right,
1: so repair versus replace conversation. First thing that we need to talk about is we have two basic rules that we use. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should have two rules. I'm suggesting that this is a framework by which you might want to consider how you approach repair versus replace with your service group, meaning that I have all my service technicians here, and we're having a conversation. And a lot of the guys are gifted and they're just very good at communications and they are able to you know, talk to people and they can relate. And then I have another group of guys that they'd probably rather not do that. They'd rather just repair the system and move on and they're okay with that. And then we've got some of that group that's in between. The thing of the the, the problem that we occur is, is that if we're not educating the customer about what's really happening with the system. And I find out later that that's a problem, meaning that we had a a secondary or a tertiary problem later. Even though the technician did his job well, and we thought we were doing the right thing at the technician level, what we end up with is a customer complaint. The customer is yelling at us and yelling at the service manager later saying, hey, your guy was just here. Why didn't he tell me about that? Why didn't he give me the option? And the answer is, well, he probably should have, because he probably wasn't comfortable communicating. He wasn't trained. We didn't do a good job of putting him in a position to understand that. And that's why we want to avoid that situation. That's why we've created these rules. So the first rule is what we call the 4K rule. It's rule number one. And 4K simply stands for the principle that it's 4,000. 4,000 is the value amount when we take the age of the equipment, okay, the age of the equipment. So just think about a 10-year-old piece of equipment here. So let's just for a moment say that that unit is 10 years old now everybody in the trade knows that if the machine's 10 years old it's probably out of its existing warranty package even with an extended warranty it, you know assuming that it's at least 10 and so we're going to multiply that times the repair cost so let's assume that today's repair cost was 400 dollars. again these are arbitrary fictitious numbers well 10 times 400 is equal four thousand. and so this becomes a trackable opportunity for our company and yours, in this case, that this is a legitimate repair versus replace conversation. So we would say this is a clean opportunity whether we sell something or not. If we don't, then we're 0 for 1. If we do, then we're 1 for 1. So we're going to treat anything that's a 4K, meaning price of the repair times the age of the equipment, that's $4,000. Or greater, we're going to say that was a very good clean opportunity for us, and we're going to track that as a success pattern, good, bad, or indifferent.
0: You know, this repair versus replace conversation is really, really important. But here's the reality I understand that a lot of times for service technicians, you know, it's hard to open the subject of replacing the system. After all, your homeowner got up. Uh, this morning, the air conditioner wasn't working, and in their mind, it's going to be a three- or four-hundred-dollar problem. Now, here you are a couple of hours later, telling them the system might need to be replaced. That could be a very difficult conversation. So, here's what I want to recommend that you do: when you begin to open that subject with your with your homeowner, simply say something like this: "You know, Mr. Homeowner, I know you didn't wake up this morning planning on replacing your air conditioning system, did you?" They're going to say, "No, of course not." Well, let me ask you this: given the fact that it's 15 years old, even if you don't replace it now, Do you think it might replace it in the next five years? Now, when you give them a five-year time horizon, they're going to say, sure, the next five years, of course I might, right? Because it's a long time, five years. So you get them to say, yeah, maybe the next five years. Then ask them to take a few moments with you and go over the cost of keeping that old system. You take five years of utility overpayments. You take additional repairs. You take inflation. You add those things up, you can easily be at $1,500, maybe $2,000. Then you simply say, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, The repair today is going to be five hundred dollars or seven hundred bucks, whatever it is. If you look at keeping this system, you're looking at putting you know fifteen hundred bucks in this system over the next five years. Does it make sense to put that fifteen hundred bucks into a new system, or should I just go ahead and do and do today's repair? Right. So just give them the option. Does it make sense to look at what we're going to spend the next five years? Does it make sense to do that and put in a new system, or should I just start doing today's repair? So you give them the option, but at least you're having the conversation. In many cases, they'll say. How much is a new system? And of course, those are the magic words. Then you start talking about having one of your experts come in and you turn that to the sales department. So the bottom line is you've got to get good at having this conversation and you got to find ways to make the conversation easy to get into. Now we all know once we get that lead turned to a sales opportunity, we want to do everything in our power to get all the homeowners, the decision makers, although we don't want to call them decision makers because it's kind of a red flag, but we want to get everybody at the kitchen table that's going to be involved in the design process and ultimately the decision-making process. I want to share a clip with you from our Ask the Expert segment, and Drew and myself and Gary, we're going to discuss what do you got to do to make sure that you get all homeowners to the kitchen table so you can have your best opportunity to close the deal. Well, uh, as usual, that's a great question. Good morning, uh, afternoon, Drew, Gary. Uh, Gary, you're not an Ohio State fan, are you? <laughs> Flashing the red. Uh, and good morning to you, Toby, as well. So great question, you know, how do you get decision-makers the, at the table when everyone wants you to email them? And the first thing I would say is that uh, whoever submitted this question, at least they get it, right? The last thing in the world we want to do is be emailing bids or, or shooting numbers over the phone, that type of thing. And so what I would say is that you know we, we want to kind of take the question back a little bit before we're even in the house and trying to give people the kitchen table because it really begins even before that with the lead coordination process and having kind of a focused, you know, uh, cohesive effort to get both homeowners there from the very, very beginning. So the conversation should start obviously when that homeowner calls in, the lead coordinator themselves should be making the effort to get both homeowners present. And oftentimes a couple of ways that we have always done this. uh, Number one, I think it's important to explain to the homeowner why it's important for them Uh, to have all the homeowners present, if at all possible. So typically what we would do is explain the process. We're gonna measure the house and do a load calc, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And what we have found is that it's best for the homeowners, right? It's gotta be best for them because they don't care about what's best for us. What's best for the homeowner is to have, you know, everybody who is, uh, you know, a homeowner involved in using the system uh, to be involved in the design process. We always use design process, not decision-making process, right? Uh, we want to create the uh, the expectation that, you know, this is a pretty complex process. It's not as simple as plugging in a refrigerator. And, you know, the the effectiveness of the system, as we all know, has a lot to do with the design and the installation of the system. So one of the things we'll do is explain that, that we're going to measure the house, the comprehensive nature of the energy audit, and it's best to get it all homeowners uh, present and involved in the design process so we can design a system that's perfect for everybody. One of the other things that we always did uh, when we were struggling with this, is you can assign a value to a load calculation. I don't think it's uncommon uh, that you could set a value of $199 for a heat gain, heat loss calculation. So we would tell people, you know, it's, it's recommended by the Department of Energy to do this heat gain, heat loss calculation. Uh, typically we charge $199 for that fee, but it's so important that it's done uh, for you that, you know, if we could get all the homeowners involved in the design process, we'll waive that fee. Right, so now they at least have some value associated to, to, to being there. So, you know, step one is kind of starting at the lead coordination process and getting in the, in the house. But, you know, then when I go on the lead, it's up to me to make sure I've got a situation, you know, that uh, has an opportunity for me to close. So even though the lead coordinator may have done a perfect job, it's not uncommon, people will forget, or maybe they, they tell the lead coordinator both people will be there and then somebody's not there. So now when I get in the house, I've got to do everything in my power and one of the things that i'll do most companies or many companies at least are offering some type of risk reversal guarantee what i mean by that is you know use the system for a year two years whatever if you're not happy with it we can't fix it we'll buy it back so we'll kind of use that and say you know let's say for example i'm at the kitchen table and mom's there in the house but she won't come sit down uh we could just simply you know explain to the homeowner you know we in addition to a series of very comprehensive guarantees designed to protect you the homeowner One of them is our buy-it-back guarantee or test drive or whatever you call it. And what that means is this system will be designed to be uh, make everybody happy and it will operate properly. If it's not, then you have the option of having this system removed and we would refund you the money. So, you know, obviously, you know, because your wife is part owner of the house, you know, we don't want to design a system that you love and that she hates, because then we find ourselves pulling the system back out six months down the line. To avoid that, we just find it best. For the homeowners if we're all involved in the design process right and, and and still you know we give that effort it may not work then you know there's a point in the presentation which i refer to as uh you know kind of the intention statement and the intention statement is kind of a lot like a trial close a little bit you know and that's the question where we ask you know could you let me know today whether or not we're a good fit if i'm sitting right there and i got the husband there he's a one-legger and he tells me no I, I couldn't let you know today i've got to talk to my wife tonight He's giving you a flashing red neon light that there's no closing opportunity. Now it's up to me to find uh, an effective way, a graceful way to exit the situation and try to get her involved uh, when I come back a second time. So typically, what I will do if I've already got my measurements of the house, I'll say, Well, Mr. Homeowner, I've uh," because the homeowner won't know that you know I don't do it this way every time, they don't know I'm doing anything different. But if I get that red light, the intention statement, I'll simply say, You know, Mr. Homeowner, I've got all my measurements from your house. What I want to do is to go back to my office, do my load calculations as it, you know, uh, required or uh, suggested by the Department of Energy. And uh, I've also got some questions about your install. And what I'd like to do is to come back and share this information with you and ideally get your wife involved in the design process. Because, again, we want this system to be just perfect for her as well. So if I spent maybe a half an hour or an hour with with the person I'm with, you know, I've got a little better relationship than I had. When I first got there, or the lead coordinator had when they first called in, so now I got a better shot maybe of the homeowner wanting to kind of help me out here and to get everybody together. If you've got a great relationship, I was just on a lead a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this situation uh, happened, and uh, the guy's like, "No, I'm just give me the information, and you know, I'll, I'll give it to my wife." Well, I had already been in the house, measuring the house in the attic, and talking to him for about an hour, so I had a pretty good relationship with the guy, and I just said, uh, "His name was Jesse." I said, "Jesse." here's the thing, we've been together for an hour and how do you feel about my company? He goes, well, so far, so good, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, here's the thing. There's a big difference between knowing my company well enough to wanna to buy it and knowing it well enough to sell it to your wife. So what I'd like to do is at least hope that I've earned the right just to give me the chance to present to your wife so I can have a fair shot to earn your business. And he like, he completely understood that. He goes, no, I get it, you know, because I had an hour relationship with the guy. He wanted to help me out at that point. We had a great relationship. He goes, great. Let me, and he made it a follow up appointment. So you got to kind of earn the right, uh, when it's not an ideal situation and, and then appeal to their, you know, their their sense of decency, like, you know, Mr. Homeowner, I mean, just give me a chance to talk with her. You know, how important it is for me to have a shot. If I'm going to earn your business, if you've got a good relationship, that will sometimes work. Sometimes the guy will say, I don't give a rat's to what the deal is. This is your one chance. Do your presentation, give me a number and get the heck out. Well, then all you can do is the best you can do. So again, there, there's several steps on the process, all of them designed to get us in a better situation uh, for potential close by having all the homeowners present uh, because as the question conveys, the last thing we wanna do is be email a proposal because they're just too busy. So we gotta do everything in our power you know, to, to make that difficult for them to do. So I, I couldn't help but notice Drew shaking his hand and as a guy who's been selling this stuff in homes for 30 years, Uh, Really curious, Drew, to to get your perspective on that as well.
2: Uh, Now, thank you, Weldon, and great stuff. I mean, uh, you're spot on. You know, talking about exactly the things that we talk about as well in the training, and that's you know, I want to make sure that we direct people to to get to the live training. You know, we can. Not only do we go into this conversation in depth uh, in the training, in the sales training class, but at both levels, both the uh, introductory level and the advanced level classes that we're teaching. Uh, but we could have an opportunity there to role play it a little bit more, and and you, you try to get into that a little bit, you know, here on the call. But because because it's a, it's a topic that's really it's kind of tough to explain. It's actually better to to kind of role play it a little, little bit, and 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 so I want to just highlight a couple of things, Weldon said. Number one, you, obviously it starts on the call, uh, you know, with your sales coordinator, lead taker there. Uh, number one, but number two, then obviously he said most importantly there, it's your it's your job as a sales coordinator, a salesperson, excuse me, your comfort advisor to earn the right. You know, once you're in the home and the way you'd earn the right is building that trust and confidence and credibility in the home. And you want to build that relationship so much and the value and the interest and the intrigue so much that if, as Weldon said, if this is in essence a two call close process, that you have the you have earned the right. But not just the right. You, you've positioned yourself at such a point where this person who you're talking with, husband or wife. is so interested and so intrigued and they really want their significant other to be involved in this process with them to truly understand it because you've you've done things on a call you've asked things on a call you've measured things on a call you've looked at things you've gone into areas of the home where no one else has even, even ventured to travel and and so th- they are actually uh, they should be intrigued by you know, by what you do and by that i mean it's your job to teach the customer how to buy and where value resides i taught a class last week and what i said to the group is the reason customers comparison shop is because salespeople comparison sell. And the customer thinks that they can go out there and compare apples to apples and get three quotes like they do on the car and the appliances and the trucks and uh, you know, the computers and advisors uh, they comparison shop. And it's our job as comfort advisors to teach them, the dangers of that and that this is not something that truly can be comparison shop. And so we lead with intention uh, to make sure, like Weldon said, that we want to fit everybody's needs uh, and address everybody's you know concerns through the thought process. And, and so during the, the process, I will ask questions of the husband or the wife and I'll say, you know, I'll say to the husband. So I know you obviously probably like the temperature set at, at, at one setting. How, how does your wife feel about that? You know, how does your wife feel about the comfort level in the, in the kitchen uh, or, you know, or in the bedroom, or in the family room. You know, I notice you probably back here watching sports or, you know, movies or something like that, but is, you know, your wife and kids typically wear blankets, you know, have blankets on, or, you know, you, you typically adding clothing or somebody take you know, removing clothing during the summer, you know, so forth and so on. And, and you try and paint scenarios in which they have to think of this other person, and they probably don't really know, you know, truly know the answers. And so, you're kind of eliciting them to think that, okay, I better get this other person actively engaged in this process. And then the last thing I want to uh, kind of talk about is if in fact you find yourself in the process of having to email customers, how do you handle that? Because the question is set up in such a way that this is our head trash more often than not. We, you know, If we basically say that we think customers are too busy, it's because we allow ourselves to think that and, and, you know, everybody says that that's what, you know, they want to do. So, you know, setting the process up, you know, with intention that this is how we set up, how we do our process. And so we come in the house, we measure things, we ask questions, and then you know, we go through uh, findings and options with you, know, with you and whoever else is involved in the design process, so forth and so on. And then if you find yourself at the end of this where you have to email it, and, and this could be for somebody who's a snowbird. Maybe they're here in Pennsylvania, but they're they wintering down in Florida, for example, uh, where, where somebody's on deployment in Afghanistan or something like that. Um, what I like to do there is schedule a phone call follow-up because we don't send emails blindly to unattended email addresses, meaning I'm not going to just send an email out to you and hope that you get it. Let's schedule a call for 4 o'clock on Tuesday. At that point in time, make sure you're in front of a computer to where you can receive email. I'll send you the email with the attached quote, and that way, I can make sure number one that you get it, because it's this your this is your your home and secure uh, financial information. I want to make sure that you can get it, that you can open it, uh, open the document, and and then I can kind of give you a, a very quick overview, and then you can go through it yourself at your at your leisure, and you know decide what direction you want to go. This way, you've made sure that your document has been received, that they in fact can open it, and that if there's any questions, you're on the phone at least to respond to them. And so scheduling that and not sending emails blindly is a way we've gotten around that last piece of it. So Gary, I'll throw it to you if you got any thoughts on that.
3: Uh, great job, guys. I couldn't agree uh, more uh, with everything you all said. Uh, Drew, especially uh, the last part about t- the world's changed. And so uh, people are moving faster and you've got two income families. Demographics have changed. Uh, we've got millennials. There's just all kinds of things that are happening. So um, the reality is emailing proposals is just part of the, Process. So we follow your exact protocol, we schedule that meeting and we're going to email you because that's what you asked for. The only thing that we do that wasn't mentioned in there that I think people might benefit from is we send a pre-call email at lead coordination. Uh, We have a couple of PDF documents that we use that explain the nature of why the decision makers that are important in the home, how important the home comfort uh, decision is to a client, Uh, the value of that investment It's the third most expensive investment you make in your home. Uh, we lay that out in front as part of the email. We talk about financing, a variety of things, but we basically uh, emphasize the need uh, for the influencers and the decision makers to be present. Um, and, and I think it really depends a lot on whether you're a one call or two call type company. So we're a hybrid. We do both. Uh, so just to Wally's point, you know, if you see somebody, you're, you're almost never going to get me at, at that first appointment. You're going to end up with somebody else. And then a, if you've earned that right, I'll come in and there'll be a, a narrowing down process, you know, so if there if it's a marketed lead and there are three or four different potentials that we're looking at in terms of builders, uh, you know, we've met with two of them, but I did not do either initial meeting. So I, I just think we have to recognize that the world is changing and email and communication is different today. And so I always like to say you can be a salmon and swim upstream and you can spawn and die or you can be a trout and learn how to swim downstream. So I, I think the trout survived just fine. And uh, I think that's that's what we need to think about, is how do we, how do, we do it where we're successful, get the decision-makers to the table, but how do we do it in a way that's consistent with how people are behaving today? You're not gonna change that trend. So anyway, those are my comments.
0: Now, just a reminder, folks, every other week we do the Ask the Experts call with me and Gary and Drew. You can call in and ask your questions. Uh, and make sure that you're getting that advice from us every single week. That's the real beauty of this program. You get to access our brains, whatever that means, right? Gary and Drew have big brains. Uh, you get mine too at a discount. But the bottom line is you get to ask us questions every week to make sure you're doing the things you got to do to grow your business. Well, folks, that's our show this week. We appreciate you joining us. Make sure that you're selling service agreements. Make sure that you're having effective you know, repair versus replace conversations and make sure you're delivering that wow experience. Be sure and join us next week for our final session on the Summer Sales Series. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye for now.